guys but you got to respect golf it's masters weekend things teeing off this morning yes we're going to dive into that of course show brought to you by bookie.ag all season long they got you covered they're going to match your deposit up to a thousand bucks use the promo code 120z sports simple as that all caps no spaces mybookie.ag shout out 12 ounce sports zingo tv that's where we're coming to you live channel 761 on zingo 12 ounce sports YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, website, everything under the sun. Let's kick this one off. We got the kid from Stoon jumping on. What's up, Coach Trout? Not much, man. Just dealing with all the snow here. Oh, my goodness. I, I didn't even think about that. Like, it was brutal. You guys got pelted. I seen Swift got, like, 50, 60 centimeters. Like, how much did you get? Yeah, probably, I don't know what the final count was, but, like, definitely over 30. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. My brother's freaking out about Tiger upstairs here. Um, no, we just, like, I, I think on, like, Friday it wasn't too bad. And then on Saturday I went to, went to a buddy's house at, like, 3. Um, or I guess I would say by the, by the Ings at 3. And, like, kind of went in, went to this little complex there, park and visitor. And, cause like, I couldn't make it around the the whole lot, so I just parked and visitor. Got stuck there for the night, obviously. And then um, the next morning, I wake up and I look at my car outside the window. And this guy shoveled his entire driveway behind my vehicle. <laughs> you were so, choked about that, eh? Yeah, so I get out. I get out to my vehicle. There's like at least three feet of snow across the whole complex. Like you couldn't, like you couldn't go anywhere. We saw these people across the street. The guys like, yeah, I went to go to work and I made it ten feet and I pulled back in the driveway. So I go out to my car and I kind of start just shoveling like a little path. And this guy walks out on a step and he's got transition glasses, kind of a handlebar mustache, like. A guy who would be mad about somebody parking there. So, and he goes, "Buddy, next time you, uh, next time you park it, park here, I'll take it or tow your vehicle." And I was just, "All right, go ahead." And he goes, "No, I'm serious. Next time you park here, I'll tow your vehicle." I go, "How about next time I park here, you don't shovel your entire driveway behind my vehicle?" He goes, "Well, don't park here because I'll have you towed." I go, "Honestly, please do have me towed because I could get out of here." And then, um, whatever, like go back inside and like. A couple hours later, we see the, the bulldozer, the bobcats kind of come. So we get there. I start shoving my vehicle. And he, he kind of came out again and, and said, like, he's like, yeah, I was, just every, I was like, I wasn't even really parked near your driveway. Maybe, like, a couple inches. But, like, I go, where were you going to go? He goes, oh, I was going somewhere. I go, there's four feet of snow everywhere. <laughs> kind of went at it a bit. Um, 
But apparently he's been like that guy, like he, he has his own little Microsoft Word document that he prints out and puts on people's vehicle in visitor parking because he thinks that's like his spot and like it's not officially just like has this don't park your sign and it has nothing to do with him. So that's the added, worst. Apparently he's been that way to the neighbors and everything too. So that was kind of funny. You're such don't a, be that kind of snowstorm. You're such a scumbag if you do that too. Like we've got here, like, I mean, the con, like, you know, someone in a condo or apartment is like, oh, you were like two inches in my spot and they leave you like a note or something or they're like right on a napkin and leave it on your vehicle. It's like, you're such a loser. Like literally, there's so many places to park and I get it. You know, there might be snow, winter outside, but just don't be that person. Don't be that prick that tries to be a hero every time there's snow. I get it. It sucks. I mean, hey, we had like a foot of snow out here. And also, I mean, can we talk about the crazy drivers? Now, I know Stoon's bad. I mean, hey, I get to, to live there as well. And there's some terrible drivers. But in Edmonton, it's everyone with a big truck is in the left lane ripping around way too fast. And also, there's like every couple of kilometers you drive, there's like a white Lexus or some sports car that has no desire to be outside in this weather. Just rear wheel drive straight into the ditch. Like, how stupid are you? How, how many times does it take for you to learn? Like, hey, maybe this isn't your time to drive. Yeah, or just, like, stay off the the busy roads or something like that. But for every... For you every hate Indian, you hate that, eh, when the cars go too slow? You were losing it. Just if they're going, like, 25 kilometers Okay, that's... that. Like, I'm fine if you're going, like, 40 or 50, but, like, if you're going, like, it's a school zone, that's probably a little, a little excessive, but... For every, like, asshole, like, the guy who, who I dealt with, there's usually about 10 or 15 good people who are just, like, like, the one night my brother got stuck in his car, and there's guys towing him, and we just, I just kind of said, like, thanks, and asked him, I was like, yeah, so you guys just kind of going around, they're like, yeah, we've been up since five just towing people, I was like, just for fun, they're like, yeah, why not, you know, we didn't work today, it's good for you guys that's such a sasky thing though eh? like just people like it, it, it happened around swift current all the time too just people driving around in their trucks being like well didn't have anything to do today might as well go pull people out of the ditch yeah it's incredible so good for those people i guess well what were their names you gave them a shout out on twitter i forget though yeah I, oh something like the i'm gonna butcher it but prairie some prairie boys some exterior something like that so Okay, well, go check them out, everyone who's watching. Go give them uh, some love. I don't know if they're Facebook, Twitter. They're probably not. I mean, it's Saskatchewan. They probably just have, like, truck decals, and they're like, that's our advertising. That's what we do. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Okay, I, I mean, there's a ton of hockey stuff to talk about, but really, like, what everyone cares about is the Masters right now. Trout, who's winning? I got my two bets in, but I want to know who you picked. I know you posted that uh, Masters draw with all your uh, buddies, but uh, you got to pick one. You can't pick five. Maybe two. Give me two. Yeah, uh, two. I'll go. I was I was honestly going this regardless. Uh, Alexander Shoffley, um, he's kind of always, always there. I don't know if he's ever won a major, but he's always there. Him... And, like, I'll just say Tiger. And, like, from what I've seen this morning, I wouldn't have said Tiger, like, two hours ago. But then I just put money on him at, like, 29 to 1 odds. That's not so bad. So, I'll, I'll go Tiger now, too. I think he can keep it up for a full weekend, though. Like, I don't, I don't... When I think of Tiger, I think of, like, has one good day, gets all this hype, and then falls off. 
Yeah, yeah, or he'll like he'll have like a rough couple holes and eventually the back starts seizing up or something or, or yeah. he acts like the back season up. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so let me I'm going to tell you, I, t- I made two bets on this. I didn't go crazy. I'm not a huge golf guy. You know, I love playing it, but watching and betting on it, I'm no expert. I saw Bryson. Is it DeChambeau, DeChambeau? I always forget. I always butcher it. The Jack like guy. Horrible. How about him carrying the ball 368 yards in practice? Yeah, but then today he's gone to the trees, about left trees about every single drive. Does anyone try harder in the game of golf than him? No, you just like his <laughs> caddy has a protein shake after every shot. He's like, I, so he's like says these numbers, and he did this at the U.S. Open on the 18th hole. He's up by six shots. Like, just just putt the ball, man, and he just he does insane. take like, too long to putt. If you take long to putt, you are so annoying. And I don't even care. Like, I I can be golfing with anybody, and if they're taking long to putt, like, hurry it up. Hey, we're not winning the Masters. You swing doesn't care about your score that much. If you're shooting for this great handicap and you're just playing for fun, like, I don't care. Honestly, just putt the ball. If you're taking more than, what, two, three minutes, like, take a look at the green, give it your best guess, and shoot the damn ball. Yeah, like, I'm I, I'm exactly that way, too. Oh, Bryson just went left again. Patrick Reed has three straight birdies, and... There could have been a hundred picks in a Masters draft, and I was not going to touch that guy. Yeah, he's uh, well. Okay, here's the thing with Bryson: is he just bombs it, and then he's got like a hundred yards or less in every single hole. It feels like, and so I love that aspect about it. So, okay, back to my bets. So I bet Bryson and uh, was it Dustin Johnson, DJ? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just want to make sure. So I got both of them, not together, but like both of them to finish in the top 10 at minus 110. Oh, uh, you're taking like the top two guys in the world to finish in the top 10. Those are pretty bold. Well, no, I'm like, doesn't that seem like a pretty solid bet? Like, that's like yeah. betting the Tampa Bay Lightning to make the playoffs, in my opinion. Yeah, honestly, like, I mean, you, you should be able to hit I. For me personally, betting golf, I'll, I'll go with the guys who aren't the favorites just because it's like, like the, I don't know, it's, it's such a crapshoot, honestly. Well, for sure, but like, I, I'm just like betting from a common sense standpoint here. And if I see Bryson and Dustin Johnson at plus, or no, minus 110 to finish in the top 10, that it literally just, it seemed too simple to me. I'm sure, like, watch, both of them are going to finish outside. I'm going to look like the biggest idiot. But that just seemed like a softball. Yeah, no, that's. That's fair. I'll, I'll bet a couple underdogs, but I only put money on Tiger because I saw a start. That's fair. Also, shout out Evan Weniger. He's going to be on the pod here. We'll drop that interview with him later on. Great guy. Another Sasky guy. Tendy kicked it around. SJ made you AAA. He didn't play for those contacts. Thank goodness. Scumbags. Losers. No one likes the contacts. Right? Hey, I heard they're moving out of the show. Is that true? Well, that was last year, bro. They, they no way. Yeah, they moved into the new Huskies rink, and now... I thought the Blazers were playing out of the Huskies rink now. No, no, no. They oh. they uh, they moved out of the they moved to the Huskies rink, but now that rink's like a hospital, so they're all at Saskatel Center. Um, and they, like... So, for some reason, at the 15,000-seat arena Saskatel Center, 
uh, the capacity for games is still 150 people. So I know. Uh, That's so weird. I know Lind. Lind's been going to the games at five o'clock just to get a ticket to watch his brother play at seven thirty. Really? Yeah, because the capacity is 150 people only. That hurts my brain, and I I totally understand how serious COVID is and everything. I totally, like, I'm not one of these conspiracy theorists that's like, oh, the government's against us. I'm all for common sense, though, because how many sections are there? Like, at the, like, I'm trying to think of the Sastyle Center. Like, is there 50 sections, like, separate, like, uh, chunks of seats? How many? Yeah, like upper and lower bowl. I think it's. It might even be more than that. Honestly, it might even be sixty. Okay, so for let's just let's go with fifty. Let's go with fifty. And so these are like chunks of like, two hundred to five hundred seats, something in that. Like you're literally not allowed to have three more than three people in those, just because there's an indoor limit. It makes no sense. How does it not go off of capacity? Like, that's the same thing as the AJ, because 150 people, or 100 people in Canmore is a lot different than 100 people in Camrose, where the rink seats 3,000 people. It's so stupid. doesn't even make sense. Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking, too, and it's the same thing in the, the SJ, like, right. Orange and Esteban Orange's rink, I think it only sits 150 people, and Esteban's is like 3,000, and it's the same thing and I I don't know it's it's weird because then and now the MJ shut down for a month or whatever shout out to the Winnipeg teams too that got caught practicing <laughs> like you have to man if you're the coach or GM of that team and you're you like everyone's like oh it was it was an unorganized skate like they're allowed to do that it was 100% of practice. There was video of them, like, all sitting around a board on the glass and buddies drawing up drills. Like, if you are that, it's not even, like, a hard-o move. It's literally, like, you're just an idiot. Like, if you're that dumb to be like, hey, we probably should be practicing during these two weeks of quarantine where the province is shut down. Like, if you are that guy... You're an idiot. You don't deserve a junior team. You don't deserve to coach a junior team. You don't deserve to manage a junior team. You deserve to be shoveling shit on a pig farm. Yeah, like, what's an extra couple practices going to do for your team? Like, Dude, it's juniors. They're getting buckled every night. They don't have games on weekends. Let's be honest. Yeah, like, I, I don't really understand the point of... If your team's that bad on the power play, there's rules. bigger issues. Yeah, I, I really don't get it. Gotta love them, though. People are crazy. I want to get your thoughts on this story, though. And that's, you know, that whole, is it Owen Powers? Is that the kid's name from Michigan? Yeah. Yeah, I get it. He's not a draft eligible. He's an underager for the World Juniors. But what is Mel Pearson doing at Michigan? Like, come on. You're not going to let this kid go to Hockey Canada camp because... You prioritize your team's six or eight Big Ten hockey games if he makes the team. Like, how selfish is that? That's like, it's not like an NHL team holding back Kirby Doc because he's centering their top line or second line. This is literally this guy being like, oh, our Big Ten game against Michigan State is bigger than the World Juniors. 
Yeah, I I don't get this one either. And I mean, he, he's a draft eligible, and he's the only one on the roster, so it's not like he would have would have made the team, let's say. But at the same time, like, why can't why can't he he go and play there and like just get the experience for a month? Because whatever he is at Michigan, like let's say he's like their number what four or five defenseman. He's seventeen years old. It's it's not like he could be their top guy. It's and I mean. Who knows, but I don't understand it. It's not like he would have made the team, but for him to go there and, you know, kind of be, just get the experience and be around his age group, I think would do a lot for him, but. See, and it's different for everyone, but, you know, well, let's let's be honest, like talk, talk to Cole Lind about it. Is he going to be like, hey, that experience at World Junior Camp was terrible and ruined his career? No, I guarantee you he looks back at it and he goes, man, it was, you know, it sucked I didn't make the team. I don't agree with the decision. As, you know, anyone with common sense knows it was a stupid decision to cut him. But I guarantee you that gave him a little bit of piss and vinegar, a little bit of firepower to be like, hey, I got to step my game up. I'm going to step my game up and I'm going to prove these people wrong. Like after he got cut, what did he come back? And didn't he just light up the league something stupid? You're a stats guy. Yeah, I think Lynn came back and he had the hat trick against. It was on a SAS trip, so I saw him as hat trick against Gay, and then I think four points in a fight against Saskatoon. So <laughs> he came back, pissed off, trip on your shoulder, whatever. But like, you like you go to that camp and you're you're playing at a speed that's pretty pretty close, like pro hockey, like not NHL speed, but it's like what. Five or six guys off Canada usually make the NHL next year, so you're playing at a really high speed and high pace, and you come back to juniors or college, and I mean it's it's almost a step slower. For sure, and I I don't know. I think there's so many benefits. I think it's a selfish decision by Mel Pearson. I think it's a stupid decision by Michigan. I think it should taint them, and I hope no high end NHL prospects go there anymore because of this. I do. I honestly think if you're a Canadian prospect that's a high-end NHL prospect, how does that not scare you for the future? I get it. This is an unprecedented year. This is a weird time. But if you are seriously, like, I don't know. I, where does it go from here? A team's going to stop letting guys go. They'll be like, oh, unless you play major juniors. Like, what... It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. I don't want to rip on Michigan. I love them growing up. I think they got the most badass helmets in the league. I love their jerseys. I love their style. They got a cool rink. They got awesome fans. But that's just such a selfish selfish decision by the organization. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it should it should be up to the kid. That's what I'll leave that up. Can we talk about those Vegas retro reverse jerseys, though? Like, red, gold silver, and black. I don't know how you think those are tight, Adam. Those make me think of... Do you know, do you know like, roller hockey? I know it's not big in Saskatchewan, but they got those tournaments in the States, like, Narch and stuff. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, like, that's what that looks like. That looks like a roller hockey jersey. Like, this should be, like, California Beach League. Yeah, that's... That's for... Some, like... It's almost like you're picking the... The least worst jersey, I want to say, like the from what we've seen, the those Canucks green and gradient ones don't look very good. The Oilers white and orange ones, I don't know why the Oilers think they need to be orange all of a sudden. Every every reply in an Oilers tweet about a jersey is bring back the blues, bring back the blues. 
like go away from this and then they just love orange for some reason i think calgary is going to go with the the horseback on theirs but i want them to do it on a black base like the classic it is black is it okay i'm trying i'm trying to think of their old ones i didn't okay well I'm going to just well, these cut ones that. have like a little more red on them, but <laughs> I don't know why Adidas has all these like ideas. Like, when was the last time you saw a Stadium Series jersey and you're like, yeah, that's the one? I mean, the the Nashville and and Dallas ones nope. for the Winter Classic last year were were both pretty sweet, but those are like Winter Classic jerseys. They're supposed to have that classic feel, but every Stadium Series of these, you know. Three stripe, whatever. Like the Blackhawks have had thirty different jerseys. The the Kings have this like gradient flying skate. Like none of them have looked good. Here for unconventional jerseys, and I think of like outdoor classic games. The best ones I can think of are uh, Winnipeg for sure against the Flames at Mosaic. I like those jerseys, but unconventional ones. L.A. L.A. and Colorado when they did those weird like block style jerseys. I thought those were cool because they did the painted up helmets and everything. I thought those were different. I thought those were unique. That's my thought. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much, I think I have this tweet, I'm very much like, just give every team whatever jerseys they wore in the, the 80s or 90s, and I think everyone will be happy. Like, Oilers, 80s or 90s jerseys, the Flames have gone back to it, the Jets go back to it the retros and everybody loves it the Leafs and Canadians jerseys have kind of seen the same the Senators are going back to what what they wore in their early days so I I just don't know why you would just go back to those completely yeah the great memories of the Sens first couple of years that's what they should be reliving yikes that's what they were reliving for a couple years there (laughs) oh man there's so much stuff um can we talk about John Rahm's golf shot though that was wild. That's like, is that like their like a uh, media day or whatever? And so like they're kind of doing like a practice round and they're just messing around, pissing around. And Rom just like triple skips one on the water for a hole in one. Yeah, like they, the practice round is, uh, they just like it's practice round. It. My dad actually went the one year and he just That's went sweet. to the practice round. And uh, he said it was the best because usually you can't really have your phones out there and you could have your phones for the practice round. And he said you're like 10 feet away from from guys just hitting like 15 bunker shots in a row just from the same spot. Just You're basically going on the course and treating it as like a – you're not. it's not even a practice round. You're treating it as like a driving range, like trying all these different shots. You're not really practicing, but you're just trying a bunch of the same shots. And, I mean, Ram was probably just screwed around there. And he's gonna eagle here. Wild. That that could be one of the best or most impressive shots I've ever seen in my life. Like it's just there, there's so many aspects of that shot that just don't make sense. Like it physics doesn't work that way. Okay, Adam, we gotta wrap it up here. But there's there, there's been so many things that I mean I think about Remembrance Day yesterday and how thankful we are for all of that. But we've also lost uh, you know few too many lives here recently you know I, our thoughts go out to the schwartz family i don't know if you know them personally i know i i believe my sister played with mandy 
growing up or like with some of those SAS camps. I believe there's some sort of connection there. So our thoughts go out to Gene Schwartz's family, uh, the late Howie Meeker as well, Hockey Night in Canada legend. Crazy thing, I, I heard that Howie, like, I, he was in World War II, I believe it was, and wasn't he close to like getting blown up by a landmine or something, Adam? I don't know if you know us or read that story, but it's crazy how he went from that to like, playing in the NHL like the year after and winning like four Stanley Cups, something crazy. Yeah, that was, that was a different time back then. I, I didn't hear that story, but I mean... Yeah, I, I think it could be a little off, but it's, there's something like that that's just insane. So, you know, rest easy to him. And then uh, Alex Trebek. I mean, this is the, the GOAT of primetime television. A- Adam, I don't know if you were big into Jeopardy or not. I love it. I mean, you know, I, I always thought it was a cool thing. Honestly, that's where I get half my knowledge from, let's be honest here. Like, I, I think it's cool. I think that Alex Trebek is one of the most interesting people on TV. And, like, were you big into Jeopardy? Like, what were your thoughts when this happened? Because, like, for me, this is, like, punch in the gut. Yeah, not not huge. Like, I would never just sit down and watch it. But um, my grandparents, my parents would always watch it. But the way I like it, Jeopardy is... That'd be like, like, so Alex Trebek passes away. The next person who hosts it, that'd be like if Ellen died or Oprah died and, like, somebody took over, like, the Ellen show. Like, you know, like, Jeopardy's, like, pretty much the Alex Trebek show. And it'd be like, now, like, who who, who can take it over, right? It's just, it's, you got big shoes to fill. That's, like, kind of when Peter Mansbridge left CBC and they hired four people to take his job. Yeah, and it's it's been downhill ever since. But that's no, it's crazy. I I don't know. I don't think you can replace them. I think like they're gonna go with like one of the the Jeopardy greatest of all time guys. I think there was a few of them that were just unbelievable, and they're 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 pretty good. I think they will be able to take that role, but it'll never be the same. So again, our thoughts and prayers go out there. It's been a past uh, a, a terrible past couple of weeks for you know losing some greats so just uh our thoughts and prayers go out there it's world hockey report though we got evan weninger coming up after the break we're gonna light some things up he's got one of the best college stories of all time adam you got any dirt on uh weninger because he says that you've never scored on him in your life that's a complete lie oh. um, i've scored on him multiple times the best goal i scored on him was three on three last summer he always like screws around with me when i play against him or it's just throughout three, so if the puck gets dumped anywhere near him and he sees me coming, he'll go and play it and try and toy me or something. It's worked a couple times, but the one time got the puck in the slot, like kind of half, like a little breakaway in tight, and I went one-handed on him and scored. His little five foot ten legs, you know, he can couldn't quite reach out on the splits there, but the no, UC Yokinen special. He's an awesome. He's an awesome guy. We had a. We had a good time up in Waskasu in uh in June. There's a bunch of us who who went out there golfing, and my team did beat his team. Um, I I didn't really help, but when he took the loss there, and you know he's a hell of a goalie though. I mean, you look at his numbers and the the coast and everything, and I, I mean he definitely deserve deserves a shot. 100%. Hey, he's going back to Greenville. We're going to catch up with him next. This is World Hockey Report coming to you live, 12-ounce sports, Zingo TV, channel 761. Please be joined now. Evan Weniger, Saskatoon's finest UNO legend. Even though they do have hockey in Nebraska, it still seems weird to say. Buddy, what's up? How's it going? 
Not too bad yourself. Uh, thanks for having me on. Doing good, doing good. It was only a matter of time. I mean, hey, Sasky guys, we're all for it. Adam's not here. He's lazy. He's probably playing video games, something like that. But uh, yeah, thought we could get you on before the- you go down. Oh, yeah, he's probably checking all the boys' ratings on NHL, seeing if they're overrated, <laughs> underrated, all that. Yeah. You know, you know, if there's a tweet from World Hockey Report that's about a video game, it's definitely Adam. <laughs> it's for sure Adam. Obviously, he's grinding through the NHL, seeing all the little tweaks, any little bugs or anything. He's pointing them out. For sure. Him and him and Cord are just shuffling through <laughs> rosters. Dan Dale, Winnie, Winnie, let's get into some hockey talk though. Why a goalie? I mean, come on, I was a goalie too. What What was like the first thing you saw and you were like, "Damn, I, I kind of want to be a goaltender." Do you remember as a kid? Uh, yeah, actually. So uh, my the house that I live in, my parents didn't have the basement finished, and we had a, a hockey net downstairs and everything, and. Uh, my dad's family friends with Glenn Hall and his family, and he was visiting in town or whatever with us, and was mentioning, he's telling me to get in that, and was showing me how he played goal and all this. And, oh, it was pretty cool. And for for my birthday that year, got some street hockey pads, started to like it, and finally just got a chance to do it on the ice. It's pretty much hooked from the start. There you started, go. Started having a little more success in net than as a player, and just kind of rode that. And, did you have a favorite Tendi growing up? Uh, growing up, it, it kind of started off with uh, Jose Theodore on the <laughs> Canadian, <laughs> which, is, which is tough. Yeah, but that's uh, then, uh, quickly evolved into Carey Price after watching uh, watching him play in the World Juniors and, and even in the WHL when he'd come to Saskatoon. was always pretty cool, so he's definitely the favorite now. But That's uh, just a Royden Gun Goltech 101 right there. Absolutely loved him. <laughs> okay, okay. At, at least you weren't a scumbag who played contacts. I can give you credit yeah. on that. Like, I mean, hey, Blazers, all right. Uh, yeah, a lot of character. Who did you play Bantams on? Like, I don't, like, like our Bantam, like, you guys had so many teams in Stoon. Like, what oh, Bantam team were you on? It's nuts. So they do a citywide draft where everybody tries out from every zone, and then they just kind of pick the top five teams or six teams or whatever. So my first year, I was on uh, the Maniacs with the likes of like Dawson Leadall, Rodney Southam, uh, Brandon Scheidel. And then my next year, I was on the Generals. And we had, it was me, me, Vuki Mapofu, uh, <laughs> Cody, Cody Young. Uh, who else do we have? Not a, not a ton of big names. Uh, Lane Peterson was actually on that team, too. Okay. Out to be a... He's okay. He's not bad, but I think it was the maniacs that Peronto was on, and we beat him in every single oh, tournament yeah. we ever saw. So that was the uh, that was my one up on uh, Ryland there, man. Okay, okay. When you think about it, though, looking back, like I, I don't want to rip on kids. That's not exactly what I'm here for. But wait, I, were you were you drafted to the Dub or no? No. Okay. No. No. That's I I I I didn't think so. There was so many kids that were like these highly rated goalies and bantam and shit, man. Like when I think there was that Lumsden kid, like Naherniak, there was like Spence and Moose Jaw, Tisdale, and so like, dude, there was so many of these kids that they're like they're unreal in bantams, and they were they they weren't even that good in bantam, like. And then all of a sudden they got drafted and they burnt down. And it's like, well, no shit. Like I could have told you that before. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it was always tough. But looking back now, it's obviously like hindsight's twenty twenty, but. Uh, I looked back and I got cut for a herniac on the team, and I like at the time was pissed. I was like, 
you know what, like that, whatever. Like, yeah. Didn't even care that much at the time. Anyways. No, it's just, it's just funny to think like, about, like, pretty pissed to get cut, cut, and then all of a sudden, two years later, he quits hockey. And I'm like, man, like, quit yeah. two years before, so I could have played on this <laughs> Well, you just think, like, dude, we had, a, we had a, like, the 96s were pretty ridiculous. Like, I think in oh. Swift, we probably had, like, seven kids my first year drafted. Second year was, like, six. And, like, just goalie-wise, like, I mean, I, I think pretty much there, there's probably half a dozen plus that played juniors or college pro next level. So, like, I mean, Sask oh, yeah. pumped those out. Dude, you also played in the SJ, though. Like, I mean, you go to Kindo. <laughs> One light life in Kindersey. That's that's something else. I, I I spent my three days in Larange and backed up a game. Was like I don't think I can do this, mom and dad. Uh, yeah. Yeah, oh, I know. Oh, well, a little worse. Don't be too generous there. Yeah, I was going down to the states in about two weeks after I had a fight with uh, those idiots at Sask Hockey. There, they were being absolute clowns. But dude, what was it like in Kindersey? Like, you know, your your junior career was all there. Like, I mean, is there? Is there a part of it that you're like, man, like there was nothing else here to do but hockey, and that's kind of why you took <laughs> off in juniors, or what? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, looking back, all I really did was wake up, go to school for the first three hours of the day, and then we'd practice. And then after practice, I'd go play play some video games with some <laughs> of the boys. Like me and Brandon Scheidel were good buddies, and we'd uh, we'd play all the N64 games and just wrap them and and get on to the next one. So yeah, there wasn't really a whole lot to do out there. The first year was tough. I know me and Cody Young were both, we the only two in school and we kind of got bullied a little bit. Kids would try and fight us. They'd egg our vehicles at lunch. It was, it wasn't the most fun place to be, but it was, uh, other, uh, other than those isolated incidents, it was, it was a good experience nonetheless. Like great billet families out there. The, the team is always, I mean, obviously any junior hockey, you're going to enjoy who you're playing with if your team's having success, which I was fortunate enough to, our team was pretty solid. So, yeah, it wasn't, definitely don't have like a soft spot for it in my heart, but it's definitely, it wasn't a bad spot along the way. Hey, Younger's a beauty. That's not a, that's not a bad guy to be chasing all those Kindersley hotties with in oh. high school either. It was no, a terrible barn, though. I got to say, like, Kindersley's rink, not that great, I, even on SJ no. standards. I guess, well, did was was it the old Estevan barn, or did you get to play in the new Estevan barn? Oh, my first year was the year they opened up the new one. Oh, no way. You got lucky. Yeah. I'm sure, did what you ever play minor hockey in that old barn, though? You know what? It's a, I never got to play. Oh, my goodness. We, we did a morning skate there in, uh, in juniors once, but I've never played a game there. I have God. never been in a rink that smells worse. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know, like, what, like, a, you know, a crematorium or wherever they, like, have dead people in, but, like, I assume it's what it smells like in there. It was so bad. Oh, yeah. That's all I remember is it was, like, the worst thing. Woody, I got to ask, though, like, the SJ... I mean, when, when you think about it, like, you're, I mean, you're following up on Josh Thornburg in, in Kindle, and, I mean, Thorny had a good run with Colorado College, too, but, I mean, you think about, like, Pashawitz. They're, like, they're, they pumped out good college goaltenders. I'm sure there's other that I'm forgetting about, but, like, what is it about the SJ that kind of uh, gave goalies a chance to succeed there? Like, it seems like they pump out more goalies than players, honestly, to, like, you know, the pro and college level. I think honestly the biggest thing for me was as as far as goalies go, like I didn't want to play my third year midget triple A to go to the BCHL. Like I just looking back it was 
the decision was tough because it's like, oh, do I move out or do I stay or do I stay home? And it's tough, but once you get like that seventeen-year-old year, you're playing against twenty-year-old, nineteen-year-olds. Like everybody's a little older, so you're kind of getting used to a faster, stronger game. But it's not a huge jump like it would be with the WHL. And so instead of sitting back and in, in midget AAA, I found a lot of goalies like Justin Close was another one. He might have, I think he played his third year, but even then, sticking to the SJ so he could have success and kind of grow through that. And now he's at the University of Minnesota, which is not a bad yeah, team. Not, yeah. not a bad team. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I just think the big thing for me is you get a lot of guys that come back from the WHL as far as forwards and defensemen go. And the goalies, a lot of guys don't want to play that third-year midget AAA. And even if they do, they don't really want to go move to BC and have to grind it out there where they have a team they already know that they can be on here and have that like that stability behind them and kind of that familiarity. And I know, yeah, that, that for sure helped me just kind of be in, in that same area as home, but moving out. So you're kind of getting eased into that whole setup and, it's a, it's a good competitive league, so I, yeah, I can't really complain about my experience. It, it definitely prepared me well enough for for moving along. That's totally fair, though. Like, you think about the kids our age that, like, tried to, like, play on, like, seven different BCHL, dub, AJ teams that go yeah. play in Ontario for a month, get snipped or wouldn't stick. Like, you know, at least you've got that consistency. And honestly, I bet you that's, like, huge thing. Obviously, being a goaltender, the more you're playing, like... I know for me, like for sure. if I, I mean, if you're playing like 30 plus games a season, you're in a rhythm. Versus if you're moving somewhere every other week, that's kind of shitty. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. Okay. Then you go down to the states, like Nebraska. Was that like they got a nasty rink? I'm not gonna lie. Like, but like, yeah, what was what was cool. it about Nebraska? And I don't even know if you toured other schools and stuff. But like, what was it about Nebraska that you're like, hey? You know, th- this seems like a good fit for me. Obviously, they pumped out some sick players. Gensel played there, didn't he? Yeah, so yeah, not a bad teammate. Only, he was only there my first year, but it was yeah, it was a pretty special experience getting to have him with me. Uh, the big thing, honestly, I didn't have a lot going for me. Obviously, I, I left after my eighteen-year-old year juniors, and so it was either going back to to juniors and hoping for something that was equal or better than a scholarship to Omaha, or going to Omaha as a nineteen-year-old because that was pretty much my only two options at the time. I had an from RIT as well they wanted me to come in that same year and for me if I wasn't going to go to a really like a high end school that I believed was a good successful place to get to the next level I didn't want to go until I was ready right and so Omaha was kind of just one of those too good to pass up options I would have loved to have played another year or two of juniors to kind of get a little bit more of that maturity and been ready to have stepped in and maybe have treated different situations in college a little better but obviously that isn't really a decision I could make and I had to take what I got I'm obviously more than happy with it it was an awesome four years they didn't try to get you to go play in the USHL eh? like they got the Lancers their sick setup by the way like I oh, mean people the, the, the nice U show is so underrated I mean you know even from my oh. couple weeks in Des Moines like Honestly, if if I was, I mean, if if anyone's smarter, like you almost pursue that league over. I'm not meaning like top end guys, but like if you're like a borderline dub kid, like pursue the USHL, and because what 97 percent of the league gets like Div One scholarships, so they go pro. Absolutely, yeah, it's it's nasty. 
had I not gone to Omaha, I had a few, like the, the back in 20 you mentioned Des Moines, because they had offered me a spot going into that same 19-year-old year, and they had talked to, to Omaha and stuff, and we're trying to, like, thinking of working something out where, hey, if you guys commit to them, we'll take them for a year, develop, and then come in, but Omaha needed a goalie that year, which kind of made that not an option, but would have been, yeah, the USHL pumps out talent. Like, if you're... If well, you're I think, I think Pash goal. went to the Bucks like, a year or two yeah. after me when I was there. And then, like, yeah, it was just... It was kind of funny how they had just started kind of attacking that whole Canadian market. Felt like <laughs> Billy Kostropoulos came in, and he was nasty as well. But, yeah, okay, Winnie, I mean, when you're in Omaha, obviously, you play out your years there, but I got to go back to one game. And, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but, I mean, I think you guys put up a couple of touchdowns each but you scored a goal in this game i mean you gotta you gotta tell this story dude so yeah we were playing miami ohio and it had been kind of an up and down season like our conference obviously it was really good having those north dakota denver duluth whatever and miami's not generally a team that we would have a game like that against it's usually our games were four three three two like pretty pretty tight-knit games because neither of us want to take those chances and kind of blow open the game and uh, right off the bat, you could tell neither me or their goalie were comfortable <laughs> stopping a puck. It went one, one, two, two, three, two, four. Like it just kept climbing. And I was like, it was at the point where I was like, man, we're we're always just one or two goals in the lead, and I'm pretty okay with that. So we're we're gonna keep battling through and battling through. And coach never like uh, Dean Blaze had never shown any signs of wanting to pull me or anything. He was. Uh, Actually, might have been uh, no, it might have been Gabnet. He, yeah, sorry, Gabnet hadn't shown any signs of pulling there. I think he seemed pretty, pretty okay with what was going on, and I'm sitting there just like whatever. And finally, it's ten to seven for us. About five minutes left, and they get a power play, and they're like, "Well, let's pull the goalie. Might as well make it a six on four. We need three goals, and we have seven already." And uh, Kiefer, Kiefer Sherwood played for the Ducks a little bit this year. Takes the one timer on the flank. I make a blocker save kind of try to push it to the corner and then he ends up going up retrieving the puck goes to pass it back to his D-man and classic Omaha ice little bump in the ice bounces it over his stick right off the boards and then into the empty net so I didn't really shoot it at all didn't really do much other than make a save but turned out to be the <laughs> the perfect save to make and ended up scoring my first goal and Got to play the next night too, having given up seven seven goals the night before, which was pretty pretty cool. But hey, they don't ask how, they ask how many. Fun fact though, I won a nine eight playoff game in overtime when I was playing in the jungle. So I'm not no afraid way. of letting, I'm not afraid of letting up big goals. It was the stupidest thing ever, and like we had a sick backup tendy too. And I after, like I mean we've caught up with the coach now, like years back, like I still help out with some stuff. And I was like, why wouldn't yeah. you have pulled me? And he was like. He was like, man, he was like, I knew you were just going to stop one more than the other goal. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess Blair Mahan was the other tendy too. He's a Sasky kid. No, I think he played like Battlefords yeah, or something. Yeah, so it was it was That's just funny. funny. It was a wild game. I think, yeah, I think that was like just the coach's thought. He's like, well, like, we're, con- we're just consistently still in the lead. Like, no reason. And like, I had kind of been yeah. the starters up until that point for the first two and a half years. So you don't really want, like, he, I don't know if he was comfortable or not pulling me in a situation where we were up in a game, especially at the first year as head coach. So I think he was just riding it and seeing what was going to happen. And pretty glad he did because he got me a goal. 
Now, obviously, like you guys play on a sick conference. What's it? Is it called the NCHC? I always get it wrong. Yep. Okay, yeah. okay, I, I, I'm not good with letters, but like, oh, okay, you no, play some sick teams like North Dakota and stuff, and I, I, I'm literally, I would bet the farm to say that's going to be your fear, your, your the coolest place you ever played, like playing North Dakota when it's packed. There's really nothing yeah. like it. But like, but like, walk, walk me through here, or walk the, the people who are listening through as someone who hasn't played there. Like, what's it like? I mean, this is better than any dub atmosphere. This is better than. I mean, honestly, I think people will say like I think I think it was Brock Besser who went in the media and said like North Dakota's atmosphere is better than like half the NHL teams. Like, what's it I, like as a candy yeah. there? I uh, yeah, I mean, for me that like there's some other schools that are that crazier fans and like more ruthless, but that's mostly like the kind of contacts effect where you just you went into the Shrill Arena and you know it's going to be a bad <laughs> yeah, just a shithole though, shelled. and then. But North Dakota was just, it's nuts. Like 12,000 seats packed every night. The student section goes from the from the, uh, from the glass to the roof on the one section from the uh, right side of the penalty box on, uh, on the away team side. And they basically, they have all their chants. The student section writes up a big, uh, they have a nice little folder that they, everybody gets and it has, Everybody's on my on the opposing team's information. Like you'll have your Instagram handle, uh, whether you got a girlfriend. All these like factoids that if you do end up in the penalty box, they can kind of grill you a little bit, just uh, making sure you're not enjoying yourself. But it's it's quite the place. Like the only rink I've played in that has fireworks to go off when they score. They and just put those in the Sastel Center for the Blades, I think. Yeah, like I think if anybody's been to a Saskatoon or Saskatchewan rush game when they score and those fireworks go off, electric. Like it's the exact same thing, but when you're the away team, it's depressing. <laughs> it just hits, and like the first time, you don't even expect it because you're not thinking about it. You just like, oh, I forgot they have fireworks in this ring. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. Okay, mo- moving along. Life in the coast. I mean, you make that oh. jump. It's not. It's it's not easy, man. Like, I mean, people kind of. You know, if you ask an NHL, they're like, "Oh, the coast, haha, that sucks." But then, like, you look at like someone who's a you know, say, a mediocre hockey player who's maybe just played junior, or just an average college guy. Like, the coast is not an easy league to get into. Like, you no. experience it yourself. Like, you know, you bounce around a couple of teams. It's super competitive. The rosters are super thin. You know, these teams are tight on budgets. Like, I mean. How big of a jump was it, though, like from D1 hockey to the coast for you? Being a goaltender, it's got to be a little different now than instead of, you know, maybe a true freshman taking a slap shot from the top of the circle. This is a guy who could have NHL, AHL experience and be 30 years old ripping on. For sure, yeah. No, it's it's definitely a jump. You have to, it took a little bit of, uh, of an adjustment period. I was fortunate enough that my, my first coast game was in Florida after my senior year when I was kind of fresh fresh off that and they were they were one of the better teams in the league so it was kind of a nice softer introduction and then again my first game last year was with Allen and ended up losing that one but still again a good team in front of me where you kind of have that oh well I know that I can kind of trust these guys right like it wasn't a team where like there's some teams in the east coast where you're just not as good as another <laughs> team and it's just really hard to win and that's just it's nobody's fault as far as like players or coaches. It's just the way some teams are built because the way you get players from the different uh, different systems and stuff from the NHL. Con- 
contract of guys and whatnot. It's just like, oh, some teams. But, yeah, it was, it's just an adjustment where you just kind of got to get used to guys have a little bit more of that patience to shoot. You can't really bite on things. You got to be you got to be waiting and making sure that you're letting them make that first move. But all in all, it was, it's, the, the, the style of play was easier than it was in the NPHC, I, I'd say. I, I assume it's a little bit more like, not calm and relaxed, but slowed down, kind of a little bit more guys are comfortable with the puck on their stick. Whereas yeah. like NCHC is just guys buzzing around at 100 miles an hour because North exactly. Dakota has all these five-star recruits just <laughs> Like, just flying out there. Yeah, and, like, guys in college are just not nearly as afraid as afraid to make those mistakes because, like, generally, like, you can't real like, you can get cut to an extent, but, like, obviously in the coast, like, you mess up as a guy that's not really a steady guy in the lineup. You might not play for a couple weeks kind of thing, or you might get cut or traded or whatever. So I think that definitely weighs into that because, yeah, it's just a nice. It's a little. It's just a little bit more structured, I guess. I'd say. Okay, so then after you go over to Norway to finish off the season, or COVID finishes off the season, really. But <laughs> what's what was the lifestyle adjustment like for you? Like, had you ever been over to Europe before? Like, I'm sure, like you show up there, you're like, okay, I've read a little bit about Norway. Like, I, you know, Googled some of this. Like, you go to Starbucks and you're like, holy shit, twenty dollars for a <laughs> sure. coffee? No thanks. Like, I mean, at, at least like when we talked before, you know, said the team was good, they treated you good, and all that stuff. But I've heard the stories from others of you know there's certain teams and stuff, no gear oh, yeah. for guys, late payments. Like, there's so many nightmare stories. Obviously, you said you had a good experience, but, like, what was it like for you lifestyle-wise, moving to a different country? Um, it, was a, it was an adjustment. I mean, I'm used to going to the grocery store, grabbing a couple of steaks, some veggies, all this stuff, and, and now I'm with, without a car. Luckily, I was a couple, like a five-minute walk to the grocery store, but then you got to carry it back so you can't stock up too yeah. much. And steak there was so expensive, like not even worth buying at that point. So I eventually had to get a taste and start learning to cook uh, salmon because the salmon was nice and cheap and pretty easy to kind of find a good good salmon fillet in comparison to finding a good steak. And uh, even on top of that, the chicken was just, I'll never, I'll never eat chicken in Europe, I don't think. I no, didn't, it's- didn't, just didn't enjoy it. It sucks. They don't have like normal farms over there, dude. And then like yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm lactose intolerant for one, and so I should have known better to begin with. But like I'm too nice to <laughs> say no. So like when I'm like my first couple of days over there, I, I, I couldn't order anything in check. So like I had you know this kind of oh, helper yeah. guy with me, and he ordered me a glass of like milk, and it was a small glass. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not gonna say anything. Like right? Like oh, I don't want to no, be this guy throwing a fit over a glass that. of milk. And I, I didn't know it's like pasteurized different stuff and so like man i was on the toilet for the next 10 hours yeah well that's i got so i got some bacon like the first grocery (laughs) trip i got eggs bacon some cheese and like just breakfast yeah yeah like for sure i can make food in the morning but then i can also have breakfast for dinner if i have to whatever and the bacon is just not like nowhere near the fat content is like a north american bacon so it just it literally was just tasting like salty ham kind of oh and it was just no, uh, not near as good. So I had the tradition of turkey bacon because at least it tasted familiar. 
do a lot of people there's like speak English and stuff like I, uh, I I mean I don't I don't really know like I've never been to Norway I've, I've known a few buddies who have played over there but like like could you like go to like a shopping mall or anything or were you kind of just like tucked away in a small village not many people spoke English like what was it like we were uh, we were pretty fortunate. We were just kind of in a suburb of Oslo, the the capital. I think the capital, the main oh, that's city, sick. anyway. So like a ten minute bus ride downtown. We just just kind of head down there whenever we we're bored. Like everybody speaks at least a little bit English. Like you'd go to the grocery store and they'd ask you if you want a bag in Norwegian, and just be like, oh, English only. And they'd be like, oh, okay, do you want a bag? And you're like, oh, no, I'm good. <laughs> and then and then it's just like so you just kind of got it. Like most people even can tell that I don't like I wouldn't speak Norwegian so they would just straight up speak English but a lot of places they'd try in Norwegian and then you'd have to kind of explain hey I don't speak Norwegian but I don't is it is it, Nor- is it Norway or is it Denmark or what are those places? isn't there a team like way way up north that like gets like the least amount of sunlight out of like any like place on earth or per year or I something? would have to imagine that would be if it's in Norway it's Narvik that team is so far away Okay, it's like Antarctica. Well, not Antarctica, but like it's like the North Pole up there. Like it's just cold yeah, and like dark like, all year. I got we we were we were fortunate. We didn't have to go up there when I was there, but uh, I know that they like we we were gonna fly if we had to go there. I know oh. that they they definitely fly <laughs> there because it's like a twenty six hour drive and you have oh, to go geez. into Sweden and back up there. So I was like hearing that, I was just like, that's nuts. Like, why is that team so far? Out of the way. That puts like a Flin Flon bus trip to shame. Oh, it's honestly like, like compared to the coast, like the coast travel is brutal, but that Norwegian travel was nothing because like the flights are so cheap. Instead of driving that 24 hours, like, oh, we'll just pay 500 bucks for this team to fly essentially. Like, tickets are like 30 bucks almost. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's way good. Hey, I didn't even ask. Like, I mean, we kind of breezed over college, but dude, I mean, you got to have like a funny story or something for the show. Like, you know, the, the boys in the dorm doing something. That, you know, it's gonna it's gonna draw a couple of laughs. And we've heard all the bunk bed stories. Guys setting up some pretty nice setups in their dorm. I know Omaha. There's some guys not afraid to have pops there. You got any funny stories that you can tell? Um, <laughs> I know there's one that might get uh, well, you, you keep it PG you keep, 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 keep everybody PG. should be graduated from this team but my uh, my senior year in Omaha there was uh, we were in Grand Forks in North Dakota at the Ralph and huge blizzard rolls in and, and forces us so we can't leave so we're trying to find hotel rooms for the night we usually bus to Fargo after the game stay there for the night and then drive home in the morning but we can't even leave so we're finding hotels and just nothing so our coaches end up getting some real dusty like two-star hotels for like a couple hundred bucks a night for like or for the night for like them to stay in and we were expected to either stay with our parents had they come and had a hotel room or sleep on the bus inside the ralph angelstad arena Jeez. and so my parents were fortunately there and my my cousin came down the extra room so me and a couple of my roommates are like oh we'll just go with my parents and we're having a couple beers because it's our last regular season game of the year and then we're, uh the next weekend was playoffs and eventually we get a facetime from one of my buddies that's at uh at the ralph and he's got a beer in his hand i was like oh what the hell are you guys he's like man some of us uh some of them walked to the uh gas station 
grabbed a case of beer, came back, and hooked up their Xboxes to the TVs in the lounge <laughs> in the Ralph Engelstad. And they were playing, like, Fortnite, and I can't remember what other, and NHL and stuff, and just crush a few beers. So my dad drives me and my two buddies with us, and we go grab another case, drive into the Ralph Engelstad, get let in by some of the boys, and... Me and me and two of the guys were up till about six a.m. Once the uh, the Ralph Engelstad crew of uh, chefs came in and brought us some French toast for the team meal in the morning. So me and the boys cleaned up all the all the empties, everything, hit them and hit them in a cabinet in this this lounge at the Ralph Engelstad, and got on the bus and started our trek home. <laughs> Man, those are the stories. Is that like that's just what makes hockey so great, right? There's, I, I oh. swear, I don't, I, I can't, I've got no stats to back this up, but I swear there's no team sport as close as hockey, guys, and there's no one willing to do all that funny stuff. Which oh. you know, those are just the stories you remember. I guarantee you, there's a billion others that you know. If we're having beers sitting down, there's going to be a lot more. But that's just the, I love that about the hockey world. There's, right? Yeah, there's far too many stories that go around, and it's it's yeah, the just the the memories you make along the way in hockey are just are worth everything honestly Winnie bro I can't thank you enough I know I've taken enough of your time here so uh, I'll let you go we, we might have to we might have to follow up you know uh, during the season we'll see how the coast goes for you but best of luck buddy and yet again I mean hey we appreciate you coming on yeah no we'll talk to you later thanks Cody appreciate it buddy Evan Weniger right there folks that was awesome. Big thanks to Winnie for coming on. I know we're running short on time here. Huge shout out to 12 Ounce Sports Zingo TV channel 761. Adam Irwin, Trout, everyone who brings the fire week after week. We'll talk to you then. Hey, it's Cody Jans and World Hockey Report. As always, be kind, be better. 